This episode of Gathering Space is recorded on the land where two rivers meet. Today is April 22nd. Part of this episode was recorded on April 10th. April 22nd is Earth Day, and on Earth Day, I can't help but think about what this Earth might be like if Indigenous liberation was a thing, a thing right now. I hope we're all working toward it. We've got to live and to love and to pay the rent. While we're waiting for more clarity on how to do that without destroying everything, we're going to spend some time making this podcast. We're here to heal our stories around worth, work, and making ends meet. Maybe you'd like some of that too. If healing justice is your thing, if in your heart there's no creativity without accountability, if a little tenderness around living, loving, and paying the rent is needed, then you're welcome here to gather a little space too. I love to read. I've always loved to read. It's kind of deep in my uh, personal lore, I guess. Um, the stories family members would tell about how I was able to read before I was potty trained. And I remember growing up, there was often like a little um, contest um, to see who could guess accurately the number of books I would read on summer vacation or what have you. At one point during my experience of disability, I, I lost the ability to read it all. Um, I couldn't get to the end of the sentence and remember uh, how that sentence began. Um, it was a really difficult time. Uh, and, and it lasted uh, for a couple of years. And so I stopped reading uh, in those ways. Um, but I started reading in other ways. Um, and I started getting really into listening to things, uh, listen to the radio or um, when podcasting started, you know, listening to podcasts. And, and, uh, and then eventually um, I started being able to listen to audiobooks. Um, I had to, I noticed, develop some listening stamina. I didn't just switch from not being able to read with my eyeballs to being able to read with my ears, like, um, on a one-to-one -one ratio. And, um, anyway, I'm now a pretty voracious listener of books. I still, uh, struggle to read, um, books, although I've noticed lately under some circumstances, uh, I seem to be able to tap into uh, my previous reading ability, which uh, it's, it's nice when it happens. Um, anyway, um, a great thing about being able to listen to books is that I can listen and I can also do some chores or some knitting or some drawing uh, at the same time. And I really enjoy that opportunity to read as much as I want to read while also um, working on something else, which feels like um, I'm suggesting inattention is a good idea or that multitasking is a real thing. Um, I'm not. I think that for myself, there are parts of my energy that need to come through physically that actually... Um, help with attention uh, in other in other areas. Anyways, uh, so as I had been uh, renovating my bathroom, and now I'm in this process, which is taking an unexpectedly long time of just sanding the grout really nicely on the river rock uh, and making sure it's smooth, making sure there are no pits uh, to the back of the tile, that kind of thing just before I seal the stone and, and um, um, you know, cock the project and have a great long shower in my own shower again. Um, means I've been listening to a ton of books, a ton, a ton, a ton. Recently, um, I've been listening to a book that uh, pertains specifically to the second house in astrology. Uh, some people refer to the second house as the money house. 
uh, or the House of Resources. And uh, of course, as with last month, I'll speak more fully to the House concerns. Um, in the last episode of the month from an astrological perspective. But I, I will, of course, be building the rest of this episode and this month around um, the way that House 2 comes up from the earth and down from spirit and into my own heart, uh, as with last month. Anyway, uh, I read a book by a person named Tosha Silver called It's Not Your Money. And if I have figured out show notes, then <laughs> you'll see them in the show notes here, or there definitely will be in the show notes um, on the website, www.gatheringspacepodcast.com slash podcast. Anyway, uh, and It's Not Your Money is like a, it's a, I would say it's a, a law of abundance sort of style book, um, but with like a huge amount of grace for considering uh, responsibility and karma. Um, again, she um, uses that phrase of karma and it sounds from her book that she's quite studied in the area. Um, but in any case, the idea of um, responsibility and also of social constraint um, of oppression, although she does not speak necessarily to oppression directly, that would be how I would uh, look at this. Anyway, uh, and then there's like a, a within the book, um, after presenting her ideas that, uh, in fact, money is so fluid that we have to get really skilled at not grasping in order for it to come through. Um, um, and, and she does this again without any sort of blame uh, of poor people, uh, which, you know, is really common in this kind of literature. Um, she, yeah, has a an eight-week program. And the very first thing on the very first week is something called the Abundance Change Me Prayer. Um, so the very first week, the suggestion is that uh, a person say this prayer every day. And I really like this prayer. So I wrote to um, Tasha Silver's folks and asked if I could include it on the podcast. And they wrote back and said, for sure, just make sure you attribute the work. And so, again, um, clear attribution of this work to Tosha Silver. Uh, and with that, I'm going to offer you uh, this prayer that she has written that I, I have on the wall beside my bed. The Abundance Change Me Prayer by Tosha Silver. Divine Beloved, allow me to give with complete ease and abundance, knowing that you are the unlimited source of all. Let me be an easy, open conduit for your prosperity. Let me trust that all my own needs are met in amazing ways and that it is safe to give freely as my heart guides. And equally, let me feel wildly open to receiving. May I know my own value, beauty, and worthiness without question. Let me allow others the supreme pleasure of giving to me. May I feel worthy to receive in every possible way. Change me into one who can fully love, forgive, and accept myself, so I may carry your light without restriction. Let everything that needs to go, go. Let everything that needs to come, come. I am utterly your own. You are me. I am you. We are one. All is well. Because I've been doing so many renovations lately, um, which will be followed uh, shortly after by a really thorough uh, spring clean, uh, I've been listening to a lot of books and really intensively, so I'll listen to six hours of a book uh, while I'm doing something else. And uh, that was the case with uh, Tosha Silver's It's Not Your Money, uh, which if you have curiosity about it or if it that sounds good to you, um, I, I recommend it. I feel 
unusual about recommending books that resonate for me sometimes because um, the book can be the greatest book in the world, um, but if it's just not where you're at, it's not where you're at. And so I don't want anybody to feel like they have to read these things or feel like if they read these things and think it's a bunch of garbage that, that I don't know, that that, that somehow is a, a problem for anybody, um, including me, or um, or a problem for you in listening to this podcast. Um, this book just worked for me <clears throat> in the moment that I listened to it, and um, maybe maybe it will for you or not. I also listened to it after listening to, um, I believe there are seven official Abraham Hicks Law of Attraction books out there, and um, I actually had really repudiated the whole idea of the law of attraction um, very, um, very strongly uh, for lots of reasons, uh, not the least of which has to do with just oppression in general and victim blaming and also um, like abdication of any participation in or responsibility for um, the environment we are co-creating with each other on this planet. Um, but for whatever reason, one thing led to another and somebody said, Hey, um, why don't you check out this YouTube video? And it was a video of Esther Hicks speaking, uh, Abraham, I guess, speaking through Esther Hicks and it, it really resonated with me and that just led one to the other thing. And I do tend to sort of, uh, go really deep, um, in my focus with something, um, when it resonates, um. Anyway, so I had just listened to all seven of these books, and um, this was just the Tosha Silver one was kind of just kept coming up, and so I ended up listening to that. But um, I also read all kinds of other books. I took a look at Dave Ramsey material. I took a look at um, um, You Need a Budget. Um, it's a it's a really uh, cool budgeting philosophy and series of of tools and stages um i read uh, gosh i i took a look at um, a couple of chapters out of the wealthy barber for those of you who are my age whose parents probably read that um <laughs> uh what else uh, tony robbins money book um i looked at some gail van oxlade i just really have been going deep in my curiosity about money, which is interesting because uh, normally money actually is a bit of a it's a, it's a panic thing for me. Um, not that I really have ever experienced money scarcity, um, not in, in a, any kind of extreme way. Um, but for a long time, I, I did feel like, oh, there was never enough money and I could never make money. And it just felt like this sort of magical combination lock and this thing that was available to so many people but not available to me and I sort of hurled myself through all kinds of stories about how well you know um, principled people can't make money and um, I don't know it kind of goes on and on and of course in preparing for this podcast I could not ignore that um, the second house is the house of money and um and so, you know, I, I guess I just allowed myself to be curious about it without um, believing so much in some of the uh, stories that I tell myself about it or that I pick up from other folks. Um, it's just been enough to be curious. And I really, I'm really enjoying that. Uh, there seems like a lot of room to to play and I, I think I've arrived at a number of insights related to my own personal relationship to money and finance um, in very specific ways but also in general ways I came to see what a grasping quality I had about uh, money and what money can represent um, how much attachment I had to um, to the idea of not needing to have faith that um, 
the resources I need uh, for living and living comfortably um, would likely be available to me. Um, and yeah, from that place, I'm opening up to um, investigating what sorts of strategies and tools might really benefit me, not because it's the way it's done, not because is how um, someone said, not because when you grow up with money, this is how you grow up with money or how you grow up to money, not because it's remediation for the relationship between the pathologies I have been um, uh, assigned and their uh, money stories. Uh, just just a little bit more like uh, where is money alive for me? Where is it a living thing? How does it support life? Not how is it necessary? Um, I don't know if I'm articulating myself clearly and I can see I'm like six minutes into this moment, but um, I'll speak more on this later with more clarity. Where I was going with it is that after I read the Tosha Silver, um, I just started writing things down on pages on my wall, which is one of the ways that I pray. I write a lot uh, on pages and then hang them on the wall beside my bed. Um, and sometimes those prayers are really, really modest. Like for a long time, my prayer was a post-it note. And I wrote on the post-it note, it's okay, put your feet on the floor. It's okay, just put your feet on the floor. And I even put that post-it note so that the writing was perpendicular to the floor so that when I opened my eyes with my face lying on the pillow, I would see this little note in my own handwriting um, put there just to, to help me remember that I did not um, need to remain in the island of my bed out of feeling trapped there or afraid of being on the floor, um, though I could choose to be there. Um, of course, the truth is, when you get to the point of uh, writing something like that and putting it on your wall, obviously you've been, or I was, I had been experiencing um, great, great difficulty with that, that step of putting my feet on the floor every day for quite some time. <laughs> uh, anyways, so I... I put some, some things came out from my wall and I'm going to read them. There's prayer and there's affirmation. And um, I like that they've developed out of my own practices of prayer and affirmation from 100 Love Letters and from Tender Year to other projects I had been a part of over the last couple of years. And it's nice to see that these practices are moving forward into my practice of gathering space. I like, I like how um, expansive and grounding and also enlightening these practices feel for me. I've noticed that people will often name prayers or name ways of praying. Uh, so um, in Tosha Silver's book, she refers to a previous book she had written called The Change Me Prayers. And she, yeah, <laughs> collected uh, a series of prayers in which she asked the beloved God, pick your name, um, for help in changing into somebody who could fill in the blank the thing it was she was trying to um, call in. It made me think of my dear friend Melanie, who is a, a mother, a healer, an artist, an innovator. Really early in her friendship, uh, she had just been kind of on the tail end of a, a project called Endure, which was um, a really stunning, like incandescent testament to the nature of humans to endure and she told the story of that 
through uh, um, an immersive theater experience uh, that told the story of a person who was preparing to run a marathon and to get involved in endurance physical sport in general. And when she and I were connecting, I was in a very uh, small and constrained space uh, in my life. And she would talk about when she was in a small and constrained space in her life and how training for a marathon helped her with that. And I had a lot of resistance to hearing what she had to say about that because I did not want to train for a marathon. I mean, I wanted to say that I ran a marathon and I had previously run a number of half marathons, um, but I did not at that time want to train for a marathon, even as badly as I wanted to be somebody who thought they could. And that was the thing that Melanie um, introduced to me was this idea that in training for the marathon, she had to become a person who could train for a marathon. And there's one way of seeing that as in forcing the self to, you know, show up to run for all of your scheduled runs and um, to show up for the body and show up for food and show up for, um, I don't know, all those commitments associated with that. But there's another type um, that isn't exactly the pushing, it's not always the exhale of forcing yourself to do a thing. It's the inhale of allowing that thing to do itself to you. Um, and so I would say that um, this prayer that I have on my wall that I'm going to share, uh, this series of affirmations, is it's an allowing surrender prayer. I offer all, the lion of my heart, to all, 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 to love, to liberation. I offer all, the lion of my heart, to all, 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 creator, spirit, beloved, I surrender. Please help me honor and serve your will in the warm, joyful, nourishing glow of love, in the giving, receiving current of liberation. Let me do my share and hand you the rest. Whatever I need always comes. All needs are easily met. All debts are paid. All debts are paid. All debts are paid. I offer all to love and to liberation. I offer all to all, all, all. I offer all to love and liberation. May I open. May I soften. May I deepen in faith, trust, and service. May I live in love, in liberation. May my every cell and breath and being love and liberate all that is. I open, I soften, I deepen, I strengthen. I know, I honor, I serve, I thank Creator Spirit in all forms. I am love, I am liberation, all debts are paid. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is done, it is done, it is done. One of the ways that I build these prayer walls on in my bedroom is that I put things up uh, over time. I let them accumulate over time and um, pieces find their way uh, onto these walls. And then eventually it's time for a new prayer. And... Uh, maybe everything but one little speck of something comes down, or maybe something completely new goes up. In any case, um, sometimes, though, parts of previous prayers come out and find their way into new configurations. And I had made a wall in my bathroom. Um, prior to this current renovation, I did a sort of test run renovation in my bathroom um, because the sink in my bathroom. It was too large for the bathroom, but also there was like a whole a U-pipe that just started falling off. And um, 
I had known for some time that that sink needed replacing, and there's a whole story here um, related to that sink and related to my experience of being married and related to conversations my then-husband and I would have about replacing the sink um, and sinking money into repairing a rental property. Uh, and it was, a, it was a, a very circular debate. I won't really get into it here, but in any case, um, this point at which the sink really just started completely falling apart uh, was, um, I would say, I think the summer after um, my then-husband found a new place to live. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure on the timeline. It could have been more springtime anyway. And so um, I learned what I needed to learn in order to replace this sink. And I was pretty proud of having done it because I live in a really old building and now this is plumbing. Like this isn't, this isn't just painting a wall. This is like, this could result in water damage. <laughs> Um, and I was very much in a oh, post-Calgary uh, 2015 flood knowing of what water damage really looked like. Uh, and I had to, you know, wrestle with the idea that I could maybe learn to do this thing um, and not have to get an expert in to do it. And when I did that, I decided also I would paint that wall um, of the bathroom so that when I got around to renovating the rest of the bathroom, um, I wouldn't yeah, have to paint around this new sink. Uh, so I did it. I replaced the sink and repaired the parts of the walls that needed repairing and painted them. And I really loved it. I loved that I did this thing. And above the sink, rather than hanging a mirror, I hung an empty picture frame that I found um, leaning outside a dumpster um, around the corner from where I live. And the picture frame has a label on it. Uh, I have it really nearby, but I can't access it in this moment. Um, there's, there are too many things in the way. Um, but it is a, it's, um, I want to say it's of the, 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 the little plate on the frame described a place in Greece. That was obviously what the picture in the frame was originally. And there was no picture in the frame, but I ended up taking the frame and cleaning it and caring for it and hanging it up over that sink. And inside the frame, there was the light switch for the room. Uh, but also I had this poem, uh, that I hung up to look at while I was brushing my teeth instead of watching myself brush my teeth. This poem is by a person named Oriah Mountain Dreamer. Her book, The Call, uh, found its way to me in 2014, 2015. Uh, and it has meant a great deal to me, that book. And, uh, of course, that book led me to investigate more about this person. And investigating this person led me to more of her work. So the poem that I hung in lieu of a bathroom mirror is called Just For Today. Just for today, I will allow my movement to be shaped by my heart. I will not explain or defend. I will not apologize or seek to be understood. Just for today, I will walk softly, speak little, offer what I can. Just for today, I will let being what I am be enough. One of the things I'm learning as I do this project is that um, each month, I guess I shouldn't say I'm learning. I have a hypothesis. My hypothesis is that each month 
uh, has a carryover into the next month. Each month has a remainder, an essential remainder that moves into the next month. So each house has a remainder. So in the first house, when we're looking at life force and vitality, um, what do we get when we have life force energy and vitality energy and heart energy mixed together? What is the remainder uh, that moves? And I feel like the remainder is a sense of enough. Um, that life for life's sake is enough. Uh, that it is, what is today? Uh, Wednesday. It is Wednesday and I am alive. That is enough. And um, again, I want to be really clear in saying that this enoughness, this fundamental enoughness has absolutely nothing to do with um, how one might rate uh, the quality of one's life as compared to another, particularly in relation to normative expressions of body or mind. Um, so you don't you don't know that you have this enoughness in life when uh, all of a sudden, whatever ways that your body or mind uh, is non-normative, all of a sudden becomes normative. No, 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 no. Um, I'm not 100% sure what this enoughness is or how to know when, when it's being generated sustainably. It's just a hypothesis that I have. And the reason that I um, bring this forward here into this second month is that it occurs to me that I cannot work on the second month principles if I am concerned with enoughness. Um, what, what do I mean there? So um, I guess we all have to be concerned with enough resources. Uh, um, I'm going to have to really think through how I, how I mean this. Um, but if I think about the two forces that come together here in the second month of this work, um, let me just, I'm just checking my notes here. I probably should have <laughs> paused the podcast to, to open this page up. But for whatever reason, I've chosen not to. Anyway, yes. Um, so in the second month, when we're looking at uh, resources at the second house, I see that the what I have in my notes here is that the spirit energy concern of this house relates to the joy of possibility. And the earth energy concern of this house relates to resource allocation and they come together in the heart and both of those things assume uh, that we are well resourced by that I do not mean wealthy or rich again I think it's very common in in spiritual circles to look on poverty in particular as a failing um, or as an extreme virtue. Like there's, there's kind of this either or um, thing about it. Um, but I guess uh, what I'm trying to say here is the second house is considered the money house, the house of resource. Um, but we're not always well-resourced in money. Um, but there is a yes to resource somewhere in every person's life. Um, maybe the, the yes to resource is uh, to a sort of nihilistic uh, humor. Maybe that's the only resource available, uh, but it's still there. And so what possibilities are opened up there? Maybe the resource is a love of science fiction. What possibility, what joy and possibility is open um, through that love, um, through the availability of that resource of 
of love, that currency maybe we could say. And then how do we allocate what is open and what is available to us according to what we have and according to where we're growing. And what I notice is my sense of possibility and my ability to allocate resources is directly affected by whether or not I feel into any amount of enough. And again, not just money, but also often including money. Um, and so I'm going to speak more about this later because I am recording this as I'm thinking it. And I think I need to sound my bathroom for a bit and <laughs> come back to this. But um, if the enough is not there from the first house, that precious remainder, then what we have is a crisis of impossibility. We have a lack. We have no resources to allocate. There is not enough. And then the whole second house becomes about securing enough or combating scarcity or baselining um, I should say holding oneself uh, accountable to an impossible baseline um, the second house can very easily become a tool by which we hurt ourselves and hurt our relationships with other people and also how we can disconnect from life in the world uh, very rapidly so again I think that in order to be able to allocate our resources in order to be able to be in the joy of possibility um, then what we need to do is not say ah okay I am $67,000 in debt and I don't have employment that pays me enough or I don't have employment where I feel safe or um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this or that other thing will help me feel better. Or also, um, I can't have this or that other thing that feels good because I have this debt. I like it, it just turns into this, this thing where we are conflating, um, really difficult combination of needs, wants, values, uh, and, and, uh, and also uh, social conditions, and, and doesn't allow for the, the energy of that house, uh, which is, you know, one of, one of the 12 um, areas of life. Uh, it's, it's an area of life, not an area of getting in the way of life and also not an area that is directly aspected to the house of life, the first house. Um, so it's also, it's essential, but it's removed, um, which I think also accounts for why it's tricky. And so um, what I have learned in looking at my wall is I used to on the prayer that that Oram Mountain Dreamer wall that prayer in my bathroom and the prayers that I had put on my walls in those years at those times were actually quite a bit concerned with enoughness and I noticed that my um, surrender allowing surrender uh, wall here actually isn't concerned about enoughness there's the reminder of enoughness, but it's actually a remainder. When I read that Orion Mountain Dreamer poem today, I feel affirmed by it. When I'd read it a couple of years ago, I felt uh, like it was aspirational, like I felt like in no way could I imagine that 
um, feeling within myself. And so I'd say it over and over, hoping that, I don't know, somehow the feeling would sink in. It's a different thing, you know, that kind of reaching. Um, and so I feel there is an enoughness that that helps. It's not an essential precursor, but it helps a great deal in considering our relation to resource. And so um, there is, however, um, a way to use that our relation to resource to help angle us toward that enoughness when we can't find it. And it has to do with possibility. Um, what feels possible? What feels affirming? Um, I haven't said it, I think, yet in this project, so I'll make a note on affirmation here, which is that there are people who say that you use affirmations by saying a thing that is wildly untrue or feels wildly untrue. And you say it over and over and over and over and over until it becomes true. We'll call this the fake it till you make it. I am not saying that that does not work. I am saying that that did not work for me. Not in that way. Um, there, there was a time when I was in a place about myself where I couldn't even say um, something that uh, was like, uh, I'm beautiful, or uh, I have enough, or I am enough, or I do enough. I couldn't even say those words. Like I would actually, I'd, I'd have a coughing fit, or I'd choke, or I'd gag, or I'd like, my body would not allow those words to come out unless I applied a huge amount of deprecation with them, or left a a mile for the possibility that they were not true if I front-loaded saying something like that with a huge expanse of space. Um, and so that is one form of affirmation, but what I learned um, in writing my 100 Love Letter project with my my beloved friends, Tiffany and Stasha, was that there is a space of affirmation that was about witnessing the self uh, and witnessing the self with compassion. And while I could not say I was enough, say, um, I could notice in a letter that I could identify a single action or a thought or a feeling that was enough. I could get really microscopic and witness that. And then I could take that tiny witness and imagine a possibility of what it would be like if that little tiny moment of compassion was actually the framework in which I understood my whole life. And so that is the, that is the, the process of possibility so we can find um, it in reflection like that, or we can access it in pleasure. Now, a tricky thing is with pleasure is that we can then just want to experience the pleasure and, and use the pleasure to escape the very thing that we could be using the pleasure to access. So I realize it's a little bit tricksy, and I'm realizing this is, this is going to be one thing about this house is it's super tricksy. And I suspect that some other hard houses, the 6th house, the 8th house, the 12th house, um, they might be a little tricksy too. Um, because there's a lot of double meaning and a lot of having to be very careful uh, with my language here. But for example, I love um, tahini. I love sesame. I love that smell. Um, and so I can access a little bit of it on the tip of my tongue or a lot of it in a recipe that I love or what have you. And I can just be in the pleasure of being resourceful enough to just have that little sesame taste in my mouth or even having been resourceful enough to have the memory of it and, and to be able to just enjoy that in a very present way. <coughs> that is another way we access possibility. 
we love what we love. We are what we are. We see what we are in love in a moment in which we're living. That gives us a little bit more room to breathe. I talked last month about the lungs. Well, I talked about talking about the lungs and then promptly did not talk about the lungs. But I will talk about the lungs this month. In fact, it'll be the next thing I talk about because I see now as the heart is associated with the first house, the lungs are inextricable from the second. And um, in being who we are and loving what we love and living where we are and witnessing ourselves, even in micro moments of compassion, when we make something possible, we're able to breathe differently. I say this as a person whose lungs are um, often in need of support or witness. And, and so um, that <laughs> ability to breathe differently, it can interrupt any panic we have when we consider resource allocation. Um, and because of that, because we know that, that's why, for example, too, when we're in places of panic, what is the thing that we're guided to do? Uh, what, have, what have we told? Well, breathe, breathe, breathe. Think about it, breathe. And it's often breathe out, breathe, breathe, breathe. So uh, we see there, too, that our breath is another way to access any part of this idea of possibility and this idea of allocation, allocating the breath, allocating the oxygen. What it does to the nervous system and so and so and so. Um, I do want to make a note about how this all relates to the Hellenistic name for the second house which is the the gate of Hades. I think that will be really interesting to explore in the fourth week. But for now, it is, and you are alive. There is something available to you in this moment. Can you allow yourself into whatever's available to you? I am going to allow myself into some breakfast because it is sitting and waiting for me. <laughs> More soon. So I recorded the first part of this episode on the 10th of April, and now it is the 22nd. So this recording of this episode has straddled, uh, straddled the ingress into Taurus. Here we are in Taurus season. And I'm recording from my noisy bed as opposed to the room I usually record in, so I apologize for the sounds of horns and cars and whatever else is behind me. Because there had been such a gap of time between when I started recording this episode and now I listened to the last segment of this episode, truthfully, I actually, I don't listen to this podcast right now. I'm not in a place. I just record it and I put it together and I hope it sounds all right. And I put it up. Um, and I realized as I was listening that I speak really slowly. And I think that's probably not going to change. Uh, but I have this um, mechanism within my editing software here that sort of takes out some of the white space. And I wonder if I should be doing that. I can't really tell. Anyway, I'm not going to do it this episode, but... It was just a thing that I noticed. So I'm not exactly sure why I'm recording more. I feel like I already made a complete episode, but anyway, here I am. Uh, I think what I do want to speak to you a little bit more is this whole idea of um, the joy of possibility coming from spirit and resource allocation coming from the earth. I think we can apply it in so many ways. Today is Earth Day, so it's definitely a day to be thinking about the great cathedral of our planet um, and how we're allocating its resources. 
but also just on a day-to-day -day basis, how we're allocating our energy, how we're allocating our time, how we're allocating our money, how we're allocating our thoughts, how we're allocating our feelings, how we are meeting our needs, whether we are recognizing our needs, etc., etc., etc. So in that way, the second house um, weaves very much into the first, even though they're not aspected. Feelings and needs, needs and feelings. All right, I think I'm going to wrap this episode up here. I just, it's fine, it's enough. And I'm going to post it. And next week will be an episode, I think, with Tiffany. Uh, and we'll go from there. All right, everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are listening to this. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Just kidding. It's Monday, and we are alive. May you offer all to all, all, all. May you offer all to love and liberation. May you open. May you soften. May you deepen in faith and trust and service. May you live in love and liberation. May your every cell and breath and being love and liberate all that is. We deepen. We soften. We open. We strengthen. We know. We honor. We serve. We thank Creator Spirit in all forms. We are love. We are liberation. All debts are paid. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is done, it is done, it is done.